0: And if a woman licks her lips I mean is it going to taste bitter like as if you get per- perfume in your mouth or if okay. <laughs> or if she gets kissed it's, the guy isn't like ew <laughs> that's bitter
1: no, I mean uh, hopefully they won't say Hugh. hopefully they're going to say oh you taste so good let, yeah. me, uh, let me try
0: again <laughs> welcome to Zila food Zela is the German word for soul. So soul food, but Zela food. This podcast is in conjunction with Zela magazine, an online magazine bridging faith, cultures, and culture. I'm Ali Portee, an American Southern girl who travels and loves talking to people. I'm bringing you conversations from global movers and shakers from somewhere in the world. From these conversations, hopefully you'll be inspired to move and shake too. Thanks for spending time with me today. I hope you get fed, so let's begin. A few weeks ago, I had the pleasure to sit down over Zoom with Killian Hennessy for a Forbes.com interview. So, this interview was originally published for Forbes, but in written form. But you get to hear the audio form of our interview. Uh, he's French born into the notorious Hennessy cognac making family. But Killian chose to carve out a craft different from what his last name stands for. He's got over 20 years of experience as a perfumer, and he's worked with some of the world's top perfume departments of fashion houses before launching his own brand, Killian Paris, 13 years ago. In this interview, we talk about calling, how perfumery found Killian. We talk about perfume making and how it's more similar to cooking than cognac making. He opens up about his two newest scents launched this month, Angels' Share and Roses on Ice. He talks about his secret to success and giving back. You'll wanna listen to this interview, especially if you're entrepreneurial and most especially if you're into perfumes, so enjoy. I've heard your story through previous interviews that you've done, um, but I want to know, I know you've answered this question many times that you wanted, you knew you wanted to do perfumery, but can you talk specifically about calling? How did you know it was your calling to do perfumery as opposed to your family's business?
1: Um... I don't know, I think the, the, the definition of a calling is that they call you, you don't call.
0: Um, <laughs> you
2: don't
1: get to make the call. Yeah. I think that's the proper definition. So, um, uh, and I think callings find a way of getting to you, you know. Um, the funny thing is that I um, I discovered the world of perfume first through an internship, that I was doing at Kenzo, uh, Kenzo Perfume mm-hmm. uh, at the end of my fourth year in college. I liked it, honestly I had a great boss, um, I enjoyed we had a lot of fun doing three months, fine. But no calling, I talked about perfume, I worked on perfume advertising and semiology, I mean well, my college degree and fine. And then the fifth year of college starts, and the director of my university is, came to see us and say, I am uh, terribly embarrassed, but I'm going to ask you to write a thesis. And I know it's not part of the program, but I'm going to ask you to write a thesis on top of everything you have to do uh, because of um, blah, 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 blah. Anyway, it doesn't matter. <laughs> what matters is that. Everybody was like, oh <sighs> we had already such a busy year and a short year because in, in France college starts October one and the last year ended up March thirty first. So a six months college, right? And in six yeah. months we have already so much to achieve. And so everybody went for uh, easy easy.
2: Yeah.
1: Everybody went for What do I already have information on? What documentation do I already have? Let's pick a subject that I know already a little bit, you know, people like, I'm I'm gonna go for the the shortest path possible. And because I had just done an internship at Kenzo Perfume, it was easy for me to have a big part of my thesis dedicated to the semiology of uh, uh, advertising. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, perfume advertising, right, uh, print perfume advertising. So already that was like, phew, catching, done. And um, and then I met a friend of my grandfather, because he was hired by my grandfather, his name was Maurice Roger, he was the president of, of Dior Perfume. And I talked to him and uh, I explained, um, I explained, um, uh, what I'm doing and you know in, in, in a French university when you start a thesis it's very um, compartmental, it's very coded oh. uh, in the sense that you, you cannot do whatever you want you mm-hmm. have to follow uh, some, box, you have to t- uh, tick some boxes along the way and one of the more important thing is that you have to start your thesis by a question left unanswered by previous thesis. you know, when you finish a it is a question for another one to pick up the the baton mm-hmm. in a way. And every thesis written on the world of perfume came down to the same question, frankly, which is how can you talk about a sense that there is no common vocabulary amongst people to talk about it. In other words. If I say that your sweater is red, mm-hmm. yes, if I see correctly, <laughs> yes. Uh, and, uh, as a French person, as a Chinese person, as an American person, as a Middle Eastern person, we're going to agree that the proper word to qualify to describe your shirt in terms of color is the word red. red. If I play a do, a sound do, for everyone in the world, the sound do is a do, mm-hmm. and there is no discussion. That sound is do.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: In the world of perfume, there is a vocabulary, but that vocabulary, number one, is much more complex because we have 3,000 notes that exist in nature, not three primary colors or seven uh, notes. We have 3,000, Wow. and 99% of them are not available to regular people. Mm. They're only available to professionals, and when I say professionals, is perfumers. Uh, so what happens is that if I'm giving you a bladder and I'm asking you to to, to describe it to me, it will be completely impossible to say that this perfume smells um, praline, sandalwood, uh, heliotropine, mm. or blossom. It will be impossible to say that. What you're going to say is that, oh, it, it smells like Uh, it smells like sugar, it smells like strawberry. So what you do is you you, you give what you think is the cause of the smell. You're not describing the smell, Mm -hmm. you're describing what caused the smell, like Mm -hmm. strawberry, like cut grass, like and so on. And that was the beginning of my subject. So when I met Maurice, I said, this is what I want to be writing about. And he said, fantastic. Then you're gonna have to learn the craft. So he put me in contact with a perfume house named saint quem which teaches you which is really a, it's, it's, it's a two or three days internship, full day, but uh, it's not full on to become a perfumer, but it's really a first bath in the world of perfume. And uh, the first day, the first hour, when I started smelling Williams, that was the calling.
0: That was the calling. So for any young person who is thinking that their calling is to go into perfume making, what would you say? It, it calls you or you, w- how do you have to know as a young person if this I is for you? I think that you
1: know, there's, a, there's a saying that says that the goal is to find a, a job where you would actually pay to do it mm. because then you will never work a day in your life. Yeah. And that's how I felt. I felt like I could have paid to go work with a perfumer.
0: Yeah. And then you knew that that was your calling.
1: Yeah. But then I worked for Firmanish for six months. I was my internship. And they were like, we can pay you. I'm like, fine.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Because you were so much in love with it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Why was it important for you to create your own brand as opposed to doing what your last name stands for?
1: Well, um, the the, the Cognac Pass was chosen when I was 20, I mean, not going to the Cognac Pass, that's a decision I made when I was 23. Um, Building my brand is a decision that I made in 2006, so I was 34, so that was like 10 years later. And during those 10 years, I worked for perfume houses, but in, on the fashion side. So I worked for Paco Rabanne, I worked for Alexander McQueen, and I worked for Giorgio Armani. I was I was creating their perfumes. But you know, those big, those big, those, perf, those fashion houses, those perfume division of a fashion house belong to huge companies. And uh, you, you're never alone making the calls. you never... you're never never calling all the shots, Hmm. Uh, you know? At the end, the product is a result of a few people um, deciding that that was the best combination, that was the best harmony. But personally, I have never put a perfume on the market that I wasn't highly proud of. There was always one element, at least, that I was very unhappy about. And when you keep creating uh, creations where you're never entirely proud of it just takes a toll on you you know at the end you feel drained yeah. completely drained because it's you fight you know you fight so much for for what you believe. what you believe this product should look like should feel like should smell like and when you, you can't get it, when you can't get there it's just very frustrating and um and at one point, I was actually ready to leave the perfume world. Um, I remember meeting a headhunter, and uh, she said, You know, Kilian, I see you getting along very well with Tom Ford, and Tom Ford was designing for Saint Laurent.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I see you getting along very well with Heidi, and Heidi Sliman was designing for Dior. And um, I was actually really on the verge of leaving the perfume world to go into the fashion world. I have no yeah. idea if I would have liked it, <laughs> but I was on the verge of doing it.
0: Well, are you trained in fashion design as not well? Not at
1: all, oh. and I, I, to be honest, I, I don't even understand why the headhunter proposed me to go work in the world of fashion, you know? Uh, I mean, I have a bit of an idea, which is not
2: the most <laughs>
1: satisfying idea, but uh, uh, when you look at my resume, I mean, 10 years of creating perfume for for fashion designers. I did a no school, I trained with the greatest perfumers, with Jacques Cavalier, with Alberto Morias, with Thierry Basseur. I mean, my resume is a pure uh, perfume designer resume. Pure. It's like saying to Tom Ford, you know, I see you very well going into architecture.
0: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) You know,
1: yeah, maybe I could be designing a few jackets and a few pants, but I mean, it's not my calling.
0: Your, your calling is very niche and very detailed, so... Yeah.
2: yeah.
0: What would you say is your... Uh, You're 13 years into having Killian in Paris, right? Is it 13? Right. So what's the secret to that, to getting to 13 years and for it to becoming a legacy?
1: You know, it's funny. I, um, I can't believe it's been 13 years already. Mm. Uh, it feels like yesterday. Um, you know, I think the... the, the the, the 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 key to longevity is to to remain authentic to who you are. Mm-hmm. I think that's the key. Uh, the key is to keep creating products that you are truly you truly love. You know you're truly proud of them. You you uh, you you keep having fun creating what you do.
2: Yeah,
0: yeah. You know,
1: if one day I don't have fun anymore, I think it will. I know it will be time to leave.
0: Wow. But I mean, can you imagine doing something else? Because your, your skill is so niche. I know. So, no, yeah. no, <laughs>
1: no. No. Yeah. I don't. Actually, it's funny because I have a, a guy who is an astrologist.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And he keeps telling me that perfume is... that this is not what I will be remembered for. He says, the time will come when you will start doing something else. And you will understand that what you're doing right now is like playing in second division, and the first division is waiting for you.
2: And I'm like,
0: <laughs> wow. But <laughs> but someone like Helen Mirren, she went into acting quite late in life, and her career really took off. So maybe you'll be yeah, an actor. I don't
2: know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why
1: not? I'm, why not? I'm still enjoying what I do.
0: Of course. That's great. That's great. Do your children have a desire to go into perfume making? None at all. Okay. Something completely different. Okay. So are there similarities between making cognac and making perfume? And would you say that the the cognac family business prepared you, like in being able to identify scents to the perfume world? Are they connected?
1: I mean, it's still an alcohol that you put in a, in a, in a glass bottle uh, in a box uh, and that you, s- you sell on a shelf, you know. Uh, but I could tell you um, the same thing for a vitamin water.
2: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> so um, in terms of the creation particular, yes and no. I could tell you that from a technical aspect, uh, a, a maître de chez, uh, works blends uh, different coupe um, different blends together and, uh, and it's a bit like us blending different notes together or different accords together. So I would say that the process is the same in a way, again, in our world we have so much more notes available. That's really the complexity of our, of our, of our industry, is that we have so many notes and at the same time, not so many to create. I mean, when, when you when you think about a perfume, uh, the, the, the melody, the accord, what really is the creativity. The, the, at the core of a perfume, what makes it unique is usually three to seven ingredients.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so everything is built on those three to seven ingredients, and then the rest is how to make it a Uh, uh, long lasting, diffusing uh, uh, whatever you want to call it perfume I I feel that it's probably maybe closer to cooking Mm. because it's a recipe with a lot of ingredients available Um, I I would find it closer I understand that one is solid one is liquid, so naturally you feel more inclined to say it's closer to cognac but I think the process is actually closer to a chef
0: Oh, wow. That's interesting to hear. Well, do you enjoy cooking? Does that I
1: do. factor I in? I do, but I think that is, I, I enjoy cooking like a, like a cooking like a, cooking for a family, not sure, like, cooking, fun. like cooking for a space Mishnah.
0: Sure, sure. Okay, uh, so Western women and Arab women use in my opinion, perfumes in two different ways. When you're making like your newest scents, Angel Share and Rose, Roses on Ice, do you keep women in mind in various regions around the world when you're making new scents or you just make something that, okay.
1: No, that, no, that I can't. Um, if I'm gonna be making a perfume exclusively for market, then of course, then mm. yes. But if I'm creating a perfume that i'm going to be releasing globally no what i 'm trying to to achieve is one thing and one thing only is to express the emotion carried by the name. Mm. The name is my script um, the perfumer is my actor or actress, and i'm working hand in hand with with him or with her in order to to um, to uh, um, what's the word to um, to
0: create a good play a good
1: to oh my goodness Um, (laughs) to express uh, through a formula um, the the, the, the emotion I'm trying to convey Um, that's the most important one, and, and usually really that's the beginning right it's creating it's finding an accord a melody mm-hmm. uh, that will really be what i was expressing earlier the f- the first few five ten fifteen ing- ingredients that really express the the, the 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 emotion i'm trying to convey then you have to build a perfume and then i would say that the closer is to what I, what my reality is, is Mozart who said, he said one day, I'm looking for little notes that love each other.
2: Hmm. And
1: uh, that's how we go with the world of perfume, is that once you have your your main accord, your melody, then you have to start adding notes, and you have to find notes that are gonna be accepted, are gonna be loved by the, the original accord. And, uh, and, you know, it's very quick, you know, sometimes you like, oof, it's, it's horrible. It, there's a shock, and it can be a good shock or a bad shock, you mm-hmm. know, because creativity is often something that has never been done and something that uh, looks unusual uh, in the perfume, like the mall for Cindy Crawford, mm. you know? Yeah. Um, you know, there's always a comparison that I say, not a comparison, but a metaphor, You know, sometimes magazines, they tell you, this is the most beautiful woman. And they take the forehead and the eyes of blah, 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 the nose of blah, 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 and the mouth of a third one, right? It's Mm. the most, on paper, the perfect mouth with the perfect nose with the perfect eyes. Mm. And you put all of that together, and then you see a woman that has zero personality and zero beauty Mm. and zero charm. Yeah, Because beauty, personality, is not only beauty. Um, you fell in love not about the most beautiful girl. You you fell in love of the girl who you're gonna remember, and you can remember her for and usually remember someone for her, for the default, not for the perfection. Yeah. And when you create the perfume, that's what you're looking for. You want at the same time an harmony in the scent, but I'm always looking for the imperfection that is gonna stand out and make you make my perfume. Uh, Even remembered as
0: unique. Yeah. Wow. So you're putting the scent first, the fragrance first before you're thinking about like the market name, or
1: n- name first. Yeah. Because the name is my script. Yeah. Perfume second.
0: Yeah. I see. And okay, can you talk a little bit about these two new scents, uh, Angel Share and Roses on Ice, and the process yeah. that you went through in creating them?
1: Yeah. So. First of all, those two sections were created with two perfumers that I had never worked with. And that was by design. Because I wanted to create a new olfactive family in the brand. I needed to, I felt the need to be challenged. You know, when you work with perfumers for 20 years, at the end, they know exactly what I like and they know exactly what I don't like. Mm. And what I wanted is to be challenged and being proposed ingredients that I may not like. Uh, so I felt the need to be pushed a little bit behind my back, on my boundaries, to, to propose something different. I already, I already felt a bit the need with falling in love, and I, and I quit to something that was completely different for me, a monochromatic scent, a scent that would be built more like a smell, more than the perfume, and uh, and for the and with those two sounds, a bit the same idea. I wanted to I wanted to propose something different to the market and something different for me. Uh, that's why I chose two perfumers that didn't know my style. I mean, they know what I do, what I do, but they would they would not be contrived by what they know about me.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And for Roses on Ice, on Ice, that is a perfume done with Frank Buckel. That's a perfumer I wanted to work for quite a while. Because I think he has created very interesting, very creative scents for Le Labo, including Santal. And uh, this is a consumer I always wanted to work with.
0: Okay. How long did it take yeah. you to create these two scents?
1: Uh, 18 months, roughly.
0: Okay. Is that the average that it takes you to?
1: It's somewhere between six months and 18. Okay. Yeah. Okay. The Brothers and I was quite easier uh, because I could hear, I could smell the melody in my, in my head, in my nose immediately. Because my wife drink, drinks uh, Hendrix gin on the rocks. And uh, when I started to, to dig on the gin Hendrix, I found uh, two things. One, which is a funny anecdote, is that Hendrix It's not the name of the owner.
2: Mm.
1: It's the name of the gardener. And um, the gardener is the one who had the idea to distill the juniper berries with cucumber and roses. Wow. Which is very unusual. But when I read that, I was like, hmm, juniper, cucumber, roses. I was like, I'm already smelling the scent. You know, it's here. It's in my mind, in my head. So that perfume went even faster when I met Frank and I explained the the project and said, Frank said, well, Kylian, you know, we have um, a new technology at Firmanish called STT, smell the taste. It's uh, a technology that takes um, uh, flavors Mm. and that adapts the flavors to the world of sense. And he, he, he showed me an STT of cucumber. And that was so fantastic. It was green, it was fresh, it was almost aquatic. You you could almost want to bite on it. (laughs) So, and roses, you know Firminich has such beautiful qualities of roses. So between the juniper, the roses, and the cucumber, and then Firminich had all those new generation of aquatic notes called cascalone and, I mean, fantastic notes, Um, the perfume was much quicker. angel share took me much longer because angel share is really you know angel share is how what we call the the evaporation of cognac from the oak barrel. you know every every year when you look at the oak barrel the level has gone down because some of it evaporates and we call it the share for the angels. i see um so what i wanted is we need to create a sound that would be my olfactive memory of the Hennessy cognac sellers, but if you if you really go to the sellers, you're gonna say, oh, it smells so bad!" You know, it smells dusty. It smells uh, does not smell good. You know, it smells a bit like someone who has drank, drank the night before. You know, mm-hmm. like old alcohol. You, yeah. you don't want to smell like
2: that. And yeah. that was, I would
1: say, that is the challenge of this category of the liquors category. Is that you don't want to you don't want someone who wears it to be to be wearing like a liquor. You mm-hmm. mm-hmm. uh you don't be, you don't want to be wearing like a liquor, smelling like a liquor. You want to be smelling like a very unique scent, but not like a liquor. Yeah. The liquor is really a script for me, a, a, a direction. You know, an olfactive world. But i I'm. I'm it's an inspiration, but I, my goal is not to smell like it. It's to just be inspired by it. And it, it, there's a nuance. Yeah. And uh, it's in the case of Angel of, Shea, uh, it's a much more complex, uh, much, much more complex. But actually, it has become my favorite synth
0: now. Yeah, there, when I was in your, your studio in Paris a couple of months ago, I was amazed by both synths. And uh, another leading to my next question, uh, two, I have two last questions. I was blown away about your jewelry, your scented jewelry, but, and scented lipsticks. Like, those are amazing ideas. Can you get these two new scents in the jewelry as well? Like, Can they be inserted? Yeah, yeah. Okay.
1: the jewelry, the way it works is that there's a locket and you place the ceramic inside. and yeah. The ceramic is a neutral porous stone that can be sprayed with any perfume of your choice.
0: Ah, okay.
1: So you can spray it with angel chair. In the case of lipstick, no, you cannot. The mm-hmm. lipstick are scented with a perfume called L'Ordan Bichay. Um, and uh, uh, it's a long process, and uh, we cannot switch scents uh, like that.
0: Where did you get the idea to put scents in jewelry and in lipsticks?
1: It's funny. Uh, jewelry, it has always existed, you know? Yeah. Um, back in the 16th, 17th century, men and women would be wearing those uh, things called pomandeurs. It was, you had a chain with a piece here, like it looked a bit like an egg, Mm -hmm. and it was filled with uh, potpourri, of flowers and aromatic notes, right? And whenever men were crossing a street or a place that was olfactively unpleasant, then they would just bring the pomandeur to their nose, and they would cross the street. Okay. So the idea of having a piece of jewellery that is centered inside has always existed. If you, if you read uh, biographies of Marie Antoinette, she had uh, perfume clips that were centered. Uh, we were much more creative two centuries ago, you know.
2: Yeah.
1: So for me, it, it was really uh, putting back something very old. Uh, in the case of lipstick, Again, it's funny, because all lipsticks are scented, mm-hmm. But they are centered usually with the same note of violet and rose that you have in many brands, not to mention them. And little by little, it has become the smell of lipstick. And people think that's what a lipstick smells like. Mm-hmm. But actually, it's not. It's the scent that people want to give to lipstick. MAC was the fir- one of the first houses to actually make a big change and all MAC lipsticks are centered with vanilla, synthetic vanilla, and so MAC being the number one lipstick company in the world, I knew that women had no problem accepting a sweet vanilla lipstick on their lips. Mm -hmm. I really went 10 stories ahead Mm -hmm. by creating this much more voluptuous, much more complex, much more luxury uh, vanilla, orange blossom, marshmallow scent.
0: Oh, it's it's very nice. Now, are your scented lipsticks, when, if a woman licks her lips, I mean, is it going to taste bitter, like, as if you get per- perfume in your mouth, or if, okay, <laughs> or if she gets kissed, it's, <laughs> the guy isn't like, ew, <laughs> that's bitter.
1: No, I mean... Uh, hopefully they won't say phew, Hopefully they're gonna say, "Oh, you taste so good. Let yeah. me have, let me try
0: again." <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay. So my last question: uh, It's great how you're able to outwork your skills to create luxury perfumes. But are there ways in which your company gives back to the community to the poor people? Um, is there like a, a yeah, like a, a just social justice aim to? Anything that you're well, doing?
1: So two, two answers. One is we work with these perfume houses, and when we use certain ingredients, mm-hmm. we give back to a local community. So for example, uh, we can use with a certain quality of vetiver, that, uh, and that vetiver in IT allows uh, the community around it to build a school, to, be, to build houses, uh, to have water, and so on. So that is done at perfumer's house. We make the decision of using that specific vegetable to help the community or not. Okay. Um, and every perfume house has that now. So we, we try to use ingredients that help communities. Um, the, the second part to your question is that's actually something we were discussing last week when I was in Paris. We feel now that, now that we're getting a little bit bigger, we feel like it's a time to, to embrace uh, a cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, not a, it's not an easy decision. You have the Estée Lauder cause, right? Which is uh, uh, the cancer cause or Mac has the AS cause. Uh, so we can, we can, we can piggyback on one of those, Estee Lauder, mm-hmm. which would be an easy way of doing it. Or we can find uh, a cause that is unique to us, that is meaningful to us.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And, uh, and that's something I really have to put my mind into it. Like uh, for, for 10 years, for the last eight years, my wife and I were very involved into an organization in New York called New Yorkers for Children. Mm -hmm. and my wife was on the board of it. And we were raising money to help um, kids in foster care to put them uh, through college Mm -hmm. uh, in New York City. So this is something that we have done. Uh, You know, it's not an easy decision because once you commit, you commit. And it's not a commitment for one year. It's going to be a commitment for the brand for the next 10, 20 years. um it's not a decision that I want to take lightly, actually sure.
0: but it is on your mind, which is great
1: there's a lot of things that we're trying to to actually uh to to change we're also trying to to change um the way we think um packaging um, uh and suppliers for the environment yeah. and there's a lot of things that i am learning you know it's like it, 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 sometimes you feel like it's um <laughs> It's a whale without a, without an end, you know. But for example, the new collection, um, this one, mm-hmm. 100% of the of the materials are done in Europe, 100%, which means that we have reduced the uh, the carbon footprint as minimum as possible. There is no planes mm-hmm. used to uh, bring a, a, a component to the factory in France to be assembled. Wow! So that's a decision we made. You know, we made a decision to have Made so there would there would be no airplanes. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you have, if you have seen our latest packaging, but they now they're very small. Uh, they fit the bottle almost. Much. So less packaging, less waste, better for the environment. So there's all those things, little by little. In um, all and of your feel, bottles, we we have yeah. We feel we have, now it's only one one thing. Before there was like seven components. We just learned, and again, that's what I'm saying, it's a well without a bottom sometimes. We just learned that our refill, the glass is black lacquered. And we just learned that because of the lacquering, the glass could not be recycled. So I'm like, happy to know that now. So the refill for the liquors, you will see, has no lacquering on the plastic top Mm -hmm. and no lacquering on the glass. It's completely neutral. So now we have to switch it for the other sense as well. I see. So it's a process, but once you, once you put your, your mind into, into that, uh, um, you realize that it, 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 there's so much to do, yeah. so much to do.
0: Yeah, but I think it's really cool that you're very conscious about being sustainable, that the bottles are refillable, reusable, and yeah. We
1: have been the first one, you know, now I see that your is doing for Sauvage the same refill as us. Yeah. that Saint Laurent is copying our refill as well. So we are being copied now in that philosophy which I'm, I'm happy about yeah uh, but yes we have always had this this, this eco-conscious now we want to go one step further because again if you look at the the we feel the glass is black lacquered mm-hmm. so the glass will not be recycled yeah uh, you know so it's 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 a humongous subject it's a humongous subject and we have done already so much and i actually told the team that I would like to, to officially um, share with everyone on Instagram and on the website what is what we have done so far, and what is my commitment for the brand for the next five years. Yeah. And once we commit, then it becomes a path, a guideline, and we have all to to get there in time.
0: Yeah. Wow. Well Killian, thank you so much for your time. You. And this will come out the first week of October when the scents are coming Amazing. out. So yeah, uh Yelena will send you the link. Cool. Thank okay. you so much. Good luck with everything. Bye bye. Thank you. Bye-bye. I hope you enjoyed this podcast conversation and that it fed you in some way to pursue your own dreams. Be sure to subscribe to Zayla Bag at s-e-e-l-e-m-a-g.com where you'll be automatically entered to win our giveaways and follow us on instagram at zaylamagazine s-e-e-l-e magazine till next time